thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, thanks to the Ripmont Society. Uh, Jim, thank you and your staff for all your hard work. And of course, for all of you coming out here this morning, I uh, appreciate it greatly, appreciate the invitation. And I really am thankful that all my subcommittee chairmen, I think, have shown up. Is Duncan Hunter here? Uh, <laughs> Friday mornings, we try to have Why don't you doubt that I'd be here, <laughs> I knew that you would, Duncan. The green always comes through. Um, we have we have our leadership try to have our leadership meeting on Fridays and bring in the full committee Republican side on Fridays and, and sometimes they're a little tardy or of course everybody's busy in this town so not always a good show but Duncan usually does actually because we feed him I think that's really done. Um, again thanks for, for having us here this morning uh, as was mentioned Nick mentioned a few things we worked on I'm going to give you an overview first of all uh, people have said we had a great week this week I don't know if we call it a great week. It's an okay week. We did the patch. I don't think that's really what any of us wanted to do. We'd really rather have figured out the funding and had a long-term multi-year bill, a surface bill. But uh, but it was a, a decent week to be able to uh, stop the a crisis from, from occurring here with the trust fund running out of money in the next week or so. Um, and I believe the strategy was right to get it through to next year. Um, and that still doesn't take the pressure off us, or it still doesn't, it relieves the pressure, I would say. The pressure's still there to do, or to find a fix, a long-term fix for the trust fund. Uh, and, and what it looks like, uh, I don't know, I don't even want to predict, but uh, it has to be done, whether it's uh, repatriation or, or other, other uh, measures to do it. Uh, we've got to make sure that we're making the investments in our infrastructure, our highways and bridges, uh, or this country's going to suffer. And people will suffer because it will cost us jobs. Uh, so again, we'll be working, uh, continue to work diligently on that. Uh, it's been a very busy year. Uh, I know that Jimmy Duncan was here, the vice chair of the full committee. Uh, Jimmy chaired two panels we set up, uh, one last year on freight movement, uh, which they, got, they have some really great recommendations for us to include in the next surface bill. And then he's just finishing up a, a panel on P3s, uh, going across the country and listening on all the different modes, uh, how the, we can incorporate and encourage the private sector to work with the public sector, bringing those dollars to bear. Uh, leverage and to, to do more when it comes to infrastructure. Uh, so that took place this year. Uh, word it was mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but I know the subcommittee chairman here that they talk about the work that they did. But word it was uh, something that we Bob Gibbs and I worked very hard on, and we were fortunate to be able to to pass it uh, through. And so I'll tell you, since my since my father's name was evoked, I got to tell you a, a little bud story. I got lots of bud stories. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so we passed it off the House floor, the word of Bill, 417 to 3, and Bob and I know exactly who the three were. <laughs> we passed the 417, so everybody's saying, you know, patting everybody on the back, and I'm walking off the floor, and I said to my staff, find out what my father passed in his last word of Bill. So they find out, and they come back, I got 417, he got 418. Uh, but there were five people that opposed him. And I said to him, you know, you had five opposed you on the last word about He said, I know everyone that opposed me on that bill. So again, uh, uh, he beat me by one, but still, it was, it was a great victory and a lot of hard work with Bob and, and the others uh, put into it. Um, the other things we're working on, uh, Coast Guard, Duncan Hunter put together a great reauthorization of the Coast Guard. We passed and now we're waiting for uh, the Senate to do something. Nobody's holding their breath. Um, Aviation, Frank uh, Lopion has been doing a lot of oversight work uh, this year uh, to make sure we're preparing ourselves for the next uh, FAA authorization. And also, Frank, myself, and Sam Graves uh, are sitting down on a, couple, uh, on a monthly basis with the stakeholders to start this conversation on what we can do to really reform and change. And I, I think it needs to be big. I think it needs to be bold. 
on an FAA reauthorization bill uh, to change what we do uh, in, in, the, in the realm of aviation because if we don't do something, I believe we're going to lose our, our leadership in the world of an industry that we invented in the United States. And, and for us to lose that is just it's wrong. Uh, and it's not about protectionism, it's about lowering the barriers, the hurdles, the, the, uh, the different tax uh, challenges we put on the industry, making sure that they can move fast, making sure they can stay in the lead in the world. So that's something we're going to be working on, and we have been working on. <coughs> on the railroad and, and pipelines, uh, subcommittee hazard materials, uh, Jeff Denham's been working very hard on a passenger bill, and we're, we've got a product, we're just trying to figure out how to, how to move it. It's a difficult, to, difficult thing uh, to do. Um, public buildings, emergency management, and uh, economic development, Lou Barletta has been doing a great job of uh, trying to figure out how we shed uh, these unused federal buildings, uh, making sure when we're trying to push out to, to longer-term leases to save the federal government billions of dollars. Uh, Lou's been working uh, very hard on that. And as I mentioned, Tom Petrides, he, uh, Tom's here. Of course, he's been working on the patch, and also he's been doing a lot of oversight on Map 21, uh, which is difficult to do because it's only been out there for 18, 20 months. And so uh, Tom's trying to trying to push it on a little, making sure that the DOT is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and, and as busy as this year has been, next year is going to be even busier. Uh, because we have to do a surface bill, because we're looking at uh, aviation uh, uh, reform, uh, and because we have to do a pipelines bill, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of other things out that we're working on, but when you put a surface bill and an aviation, and trying to do a big aviation reauthorization, uh, there's a lot of lot on our plate. Uh, but with these subcommittee chairs, uh, it makes my job easier because they all work so hard. And you know, it's better, and I see Vicky's here, so I do a horse analogy on, on these subcommittees. I mean, it's always better to have a horse you got to pull back on the reins than, than use the crop. And on these guys, I'm always pulling back on the reins, it seems like. So that's a good thing. Uh, but I really appreciate uh, their diligent hard work. And with that, why don't all of you guys come up here, and I'll introduce you one at a time. And you can kind of give an overview of, uh, of what you're doing. And it's good while they're coming up here. It's good. To, did Mike Kelly leave already? He said he came to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in the door and shook my hand. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I came to hear you, Schuster. Well, obviously, he needs food. And Rodney Davis being here, too. Uh, two, I was going to say, Mike Kelly and Rodney Davis, two of my favorite members of Congress. Rodney, of course, serves on the committee uh, and is, is one of those, another one of those members you don't have to say, do your work. He's always doing his work. So, uh, Rodney, it's great to have you here this morning. Um, again, what we'll do is, and so Jim has put here two to three minutes, so I'll try to be diligent to keep you at that. Um, uh, but with that, uh, introduce uh, the, the chairman of the Subcommittee on Highways and Transit. Uh, he's in his 18th term, and he's retiring. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, I've been trying to put on weight, but I mean, this is really good.
I'll be happy to. Uh, I, I just say, say one, one nice side. thing about Jim Councilman, who's done a great job of uh, building the organization, and he, uh, he actually uh, has been uh, doing that on the strong shoulders of the fellow who really started the Griffin Society, uh, a Washington version, Rick Kessler, who's sitting in the back uh, uh, as a, as a uh, <coughs> supporter of this, uh, this event. The uh, chairman covered all the things that the different subcommittees are doing and our committee is attempting to do, and he's been providing great leadership. Uh, one of the things that is important as we go forward with the highway bill is to remember that he has said over and over again, unlike some others, all options are on the table, not ruling out one option or another. And I just thought it, we ought to be a little realistic about uh, one of the traditional options that we have. We don't want to talk just about the funding, but we want to talk about the highway bill that's going to accomplish for our country. And it's essential to have an efficient transportation system. And as we get this done, it's very essential that the consumers of the, not just the people who are getting the money to build the roads, but the, the trucking industry, the customers, the chamber of commerce support, as the trucking industry has, adequate funding this on a long-term basis. If we don't do that, it's going to be an inefficient system uh, bouncing along to short-term things is, is, is very wasteful. And people who say they want efficiency in government should be supporting a long-term solution to this uh, uh, and authorization of this bill. Let me just talk about one option. Traditionally, the 18.4 cent uh, uh, gas tax has been used to it. has been changed since 93. The average driver in America drives about 11,000 miles. It's 21 miles per gallon which means that they uh, are paying uh, the $18.4, $97.50 a year for our nation's highways, uh, and uh, less than $10 a month. If it was changed by 10.6 cents uh, in the federal gas tax, it would cost $4.66 per month, or $56 a year, and increase in the user fee, which has not been changed since 1993. That's the reality of what we're talking about. Uh, and so to run around with all these things, the thinly disguised borrowing, basically, of using other sources that would be providing money to the federal government is not particularly responsible. If we come up with a new source of revenue to fund this program, great. And, and they do exist over time. But uh, we have a big challenge here, and, and I'm, uh, Bill has been providing great leadership in this area. And if we keep all the offers on the table, I think we'll end up eventually making Thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm not going to We can all leave. <laughs> um, so next, uh, my pleasure to, uh, to turn to uh, Frank Lobiondo, the chairman of the uh, Subcommittee on Aviation, uh, who's been in his 10th term. And Frank's got a really tough district. Uh, he always has a tough fight uh, in the general election. Uh, Frank's, uh, if Frank Lobiondo is not in that seat in New Jersey, we're going to have a Democrat there. So I always appreciate the, what, it's, what he has to go through is really tough. And so, uh, so we all should be very, very supportive of Frank because it's a, it's, a, it's a fight every single time. And I mentioned that Frank, uh, being the subcommittee, uh, aviation subcommittee chairman, is working with me. But I also, and, and when I sat down and thought we have to go through this process, uh, you got to have somebody who's got great relationships with labor, and that's Frank. But I also brought Sam Graves to the table because he's the voice of general aviation in Congress. And if you don't have labor and general aviation feeling comfortable about moving forward, 
nothing's going to happen. So again, uh, with that, Guy uh, runs a tough race every year. I think I said that once before, and everybody in here should support him. If they haven't, we would really appreciate it if they support him. But Frank Lobiondo. Well, thanks, Bill, and uh, thanks everybody for coming out today. Thanks for, uh, for what you do to promote good government. And um, I, I want to thank Bill for, for something that all of you know, and that's uh, not just his leadership, but his style of leadership, of, of making sure that we have options on the table, making sure that uh, in, in this area of transportation, uh, we've got to work with the other side. Uh, you're not going to do it alone. And Bill has been masterful at keeping our principles at the forefront while working to get a result. So as we talk about aviation, as Bill touched on, we have a big challenge with the reauthorization bill. Uh, Nick quoted some numbers earlier. Uh, I have some numbers that are burned into my brain uh, that I don't like, but I remember them constantly because of the negative consequences. And that is uh, 22, 7, and 2. 22 extensions over seven years with a two-week shutdown. Unacceptable. Bill and I have talked extensively. He has participated in the listening sessions. The whole idea was to spend so much time and focus this year on understanding what the stakeholders feel, not taking this into a hearing session where you really have difficulty with back and forth lots of times. So we have our share of hearings. But the idea that we came upon was to have you, the stakeholders, participate with your ideas, with your problems, with your suggestions, so that can be incorporated into the ideas for the draft legislation, which the staff is, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing aviation, it's amazing transportation committee staff, but uh, the aviation committee staff has just been fantastic. And uh, the whole idea is to, uh, is to get to a product early next year that can be floated, uh, get something that's passed the house. Uh, of course, you know, as Bill mentioned earlier with the Coast Guard bill, figuring out what the Senate's gonna do is, is always a challenge. But I am pretty optimistic that we're going to have something for everybody to look at. Uh, it's going to be a good bill. There's tremendous economic opportunity. Uh, besides the economic risks, if we don't do the good things, there's tremendous economic opportunity. And that's what we're going to focus on as we try to incorporate all the ideas from the great stakeholders that we have. And uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to work with everyone. And I'm looking forward to a great year next year. Thanks a lot, Frank. Uh, and next, uh, the guy I've been giving the hardest time to, uh, Duncan Hunter, because he and I share the same great fortune and sometimes misfortune that have followed our fathers into Congress. Uh, the only thing I have harder than me that he has is he shares his father's same first name, so they call him Duncan and he ain't responds to it. When they call me Bud, I gotta, you know, sometimes figure out, figure out who's talking to me. But, but in my family, you know, there's Bud Schuster, there's Bill Schuster, my brother's Bob Schuster, so my mother doesn't even get it right. So it's all BS in the Schuster family, and it's her. Uh, so with that, uh, Duncan Hunter. Hey, thanks, Bill. Yeah. Everybody, Coast Guard Subcommittee. Coast Guard Subcommittee. So, uh, to the brief, um, what's, what's great about the Coast Guard and Maritime Subcommittee is that we get to write capitalized laws. That's uh, maritime laws, the laws that are, are there to, to protect the uh, ability for us to control our waterways and, and to build ships. That's, and, and that's a big deal, especially when you come from my uh, background as a, a United States Marine, to be able to, to off, offset the lack of Navy shipbuilding with Jones Act shipbuilding, with, uh, with uh, Coast Guard shipbuilding, because that's, that's what kind of keeps our shipbuilders going. You had Great Britain a few years ago try to make an aircraft carrier. 
Great Britain could not make an aircraft carrier. They had to hire South Korea. And that's, that's incredible for a nation who, who uh, ruled the oceans for hundreds of years. We don't want to get there. And, uh, and on the, Bill said we're not, we're not protectionists, talking about something else. Yeah, on the Coast Guard uh, Maritime Subcommittee, we are protectionists. We, we believe that there are things worth protecting, and one of those things is shipbuilding. Um, on the, the other side of that, we have Coast Guard. All the, all the stuff going on with South America, Central America, all the drugs coming in, the uh, Coast Guard catches, inter, interdicts more drugs in one quarter than every law enforcement agency in the country throughout the entire year. Okay? Sometimes they, make, they catch more in, one, in just one uh, bus than every law enforcement agency throughout the nation throughout the entire year. So the Coast Guard's out there keeping things safe. At the same time, uh, we don't want them being burdensome on our, our, on our fishermen. We don't want them being burdensome on our boaters. We don't want the EPA trying to overregulate our small boats, our big boats. We want to keep commerce going. We like short-term shipping, short-lane sea shipping. There's, there's lots of things. The idea, though, is to make sure that commerce is flowing, people are free, people are safe, and that, uh, that the government agencies are doing the job that they're supposed to do and not being overbearing. So it's a great subcommittee to have. Vicki, my chief of staff, and I really enjoy it. We get into it. It's an honor, Bill. Thanks for letting us do it. And that's it. Thanks, Duncan. And Duncan mentioned, you know, if we don't ship building, we lost our edge on it. And, and so now what we have to do is, is play defense and protect it. Uh, but that's what I'm talking about. The converse of that is on aviation. You know, if we'd have done the right thing 50 years ago in shipbuilding and made sure that they were competitive and, and didn't put these rules and regulations in place, we'd still have a, a, a vigorous shipbuilding capability. And now, you know, doing it on their own, now we've got to rely on making sure that, uh, you know, we can still build a ship. And that situation with Britain is, is sad that a, that a naval power can't even build a ship today. Uh, so with that, uh, turn to, uh, who's next on the list? Lou Barletta, uh, the mayor of Hazleton, Pennsylvania, uh, and a former construction company owner. Uh, so his position on sub on this chairman of the subcommittee on economic development, public buildings, and emergency management. This is a guy who's really an expert uh, in dealing uh, not only with uh, uh, the issues of buildings and, and how we move forward efficiently. Uh, being a small business owner, being a, a mayor of a, of a small city, uh, is a perfect fit for this uh, for this. Uh, Subcommittee and the perfect fit for the committee, as I said, his family and he—he's been on the back of a truck with asphalt in it a couple of times. Uh, so, so with that, uh, Lou Barletta from the uh, from the only know one district in Pennsylvania, the 11th district, and Lou ran three times. So the third time was a charm, not a strikeout. So Lou Barletta. Thank you. Uh, when I got to Congress, there was one thing I wanted to do, and that was to serve on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. I, I grew up in a, in a construction family, a large Italian family, where all the boys had to work in, in a construction company. If you've ever had to work in a family business, uh, you should watch uh, what happens in an Italian construction family. <laughs> so when I go to town hall meetings and people yell at me, it's like nothing. <laughs> experience growing up. Uh, you know, this was really an honor for, to, to be as a, a chairman of the subcommittee and, and under Bill's leadership, because I came here to get things done. As a mayor for 11 years, uh, you have to get things done. You have to find a solution. It may not be uh, the solution you would do if you were king for a day, uh, but at the end of the day, you have to get it done. And that's what Bill's really all about. And uh, the, the subcommittee chairs that, that I serve with uh, will all agree. He has a special ability uh, to get done what he wants done make you believe that it was your idea. 
and um, that's a special quality. So on the subcommittee that I'm chairing, Economic Development, Public Buildings and Emergency Management, I tried to find a way that we could actually uh, get something done for the taxpayers. So I began looking at public buildings, which was the most obvious and easiest target, the low fruit. I toured one uh, courthouse, and for every federal employee in the courthouse, there was 1,200 square feet per employee. I couldn't find anybody. I thought it was a federal holiday. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I began believing, realizing that this is happening all over the country. So uh, I got together with the administrator of GSA, uh, and, and we're working together. As leases expired in the last year, I said, we're going to move these agencies into a smaller space. And in one year, in one year doing that, with, uh, with the, what we just did yesterday, we've saved the taxpayers over $2 billion just moving federal agencies into smaller buildings. So I'm really excited about that. Also looking at public-private partnerships in, in the uh, public building section out in California. Saw a federal courthouse. Uh, it was incredible. And, and imported Italian terracotta walkways, a $250,000 piece of art in the center, a glass conference room on, on the ceiling. Uh, a real waste of taxpayer money. Went up the line. The state of California did a public-private partnership with the state courthouse. It was done on time, under budget. Uh, they bid, uh, design, build, finance, operate, maintain, and then turn it over to the, federal to the state government afterwards. So I'm very happy to serve on the uh, public-private partnership, looking at bringing the private sector uh, into all modes of transportation. Thanks, Lou. And, and one thing that Lou's been working on, I had a meeting yesterday with Judge Brooke, D. Brooks Smith, who none of you know, but he's from Altoona, Pennsylvania. He serves on the second court, second circuit in Philadelphia. Uh, Lou and I have had to deal with him to try to get him to shrink the footprint of the judiciary. And lo and behold, this guy's been a friend and supporter for 40 years of the Schuster family. I, when I became chairman last year, they, the, the judges aren't political at all, but he became the head of the buildings and grounds, the maintenance and whatever they call it, uh, uh, part of the judiciary. So all of a sudden, my good longtime friend is coming in to be pleading don't do this, don't do that, but if I can tell you, those judges, they all have a political bone in them, or they wouldn't be here. Uh, speaking of political animals, <laughs> and hard-working, hard, hard-working hard people, uh, the subcommittee chairman on railroads and pipelines, uh, Jeff Denham, who's in his second term. He was the subcommittee chairman on, on buildings and economic development last time. Uh, again, very aggressive chairman, works very hard, and is working very diligently, and I think we've got a passenger bill, but it's just a matter of figuring out how to go through that murky water to move it forward. But uh, with that, uh, Jeff Denham from the California's 10th District. Well, thank you for inviting me this morning. They don't usually give me a microphone. I was going to tell them to cut Yesterday in our hearing, Bill said, everybody use the microphone until I had my opportunity to vote, I am Bill. I grew up in a very loud family. <laughs> Keep going with it. <laughs> um, this is a great committee to serve on. It is a bipartisan committee, uh, and certainly the way the chairman runs the committee allows us to get uh, not only bills done and over to the Senate where we see so many bills just sit, but actually getting bills signed into law. You know, I'm excited about being on this committee because I want to build things. You know, in California, we've got our roads falling apart. We've got our rail uh, infrastructure lagging. Uh, we haven't built any water storage in quite some time. And, uh, you know, we're having a, a facing a, a big drought. So 
Uh, I like being on this committee because we're going to build stuff. We're going to continue to move this country forward and find bipartisan ways to do that, uh, find different ways to fund uh, fund these different initiatives. And, uh, you know, as chair of the uh, Rail Pipelines Hazardous Materials Subcommittee, uh, there's a lot of things happening on rail right now, uh, certainly dealing with a lot of rail safety issues. Um, you know, with, with Bach and Shale uh, has changed the dynamic of rail across the country. Uh, not only from some of the safety uh, challenges, while rail is still a safe, very, very, very safe uh, way to move products, uh, it has changed some of the dynamics. And we're uh, also dealing with the passenger rail reauthorization bill at the same time. Um, and I think we're going to get it here pretty quickly. I mean, we're coming together between the, the, the two parties. Um, you know, it's going to create efficiencies. It's going to uh, create greater transparency. Um, we're going to be able to build some things on the Northeast Corridor. We're allowing the Northeast Corridor to actually keep their profits. When you're doing things good in this country, you ought to be able to improve your infrastructure in the process. Uh, so some good things coming out of it, but I'll tell you that the reason I think that this is going to not only get bipartisan support, but really moving through, pets on trains. <laughs> you heard it here first. Northeast Corridor especially, so many people uh, riding that Northeast Corridor that would like to bring their pets on the, uh, on the train. They put them on an airplane, they'll avoid Amtrak and they'll put their uh, pets on cars, but this is something that uh, the Democrats love. Uh, it's a great idea, and we'll do, uh, we'll put it just about anything in this building to get it passed. <laughs> and again, thank you for having me this morning. We, we had a malfunction yesterday, too, in the committee. Uh, well, first, I asked everybody to speak into the mics, and I forgot about them. And so he blew the room up. I think you're the one that caused the problem. The system went down. And, we, and nobody knew what to do because I said, well, the guy's got the plugs in his ears, so, you know, the, the reporter. I said, take, he said, I can't hear you. I said, take the plugs out of your ears. I said, you just work, you can type what we say, right? And he said, well, no, we're tape recording it. And DeFazio sitting next to me, they're tape recording it, and we have a guy. He said, we should just get rid of the guy and just have the tape recording, let him do, you know, trans do the, the transcripts elsewhere. And I said, DeFazio, I don't think your side would like eliminating a job like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, so we really got to a point where I was like, what the hell do we do? Do we have to have it? Do we have to report this thing? And the staff and researchers said, no, you don't really have to do it. So we started going down. Of course, didn't need a microphone, but we were all speaking loud and, uh, and we got through it, but uh, it was quite an interesting day. And it was and it was very, we went from this bipartisan love fest for the past couple of months to a very contentious uh, uh, debate yesterday, and it's all Bob Gibbs's fault, uh, because they were all dealt with the water, uh, the Clean Water Act, which he he's the subcommittee chair of the, uh, of the Water Resources and Environment. Um, the second term, this is the second term of this being that chairman, uh, and again, we did some good work, I think, yesterday. Uh, Bob can talk a little bit about that, but it became very contentious. Uh, but, but we made it through, uh, and uh, Bob was a partner in making sure the word passed and got through. Uh, so really one of the true experts in this country on, on water resources. So with that, uh, Bob Gibbs from Ohio. Thank, thanks, Bill, and I wanted to give kudos back to the Chairman Bill for his work on the WARDA. You know, there's pundits out there that said, ah, we can never do a WARDA bill because, you know, we can't have earmarks. We've got the earmark moratorium, and the previous WARDA bills were loaded with earmarks. This water bill has zero earmarks, and we, Bill and us, we all came up with a mechanism to figure out how do we. I had a big nose here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So, 
but we came up, we came up with a mechanism to, to, to we keep our authority. We don't default it to the executive branch, and, and, and it's more transparent. So since it's more transparent, it'll be accountable, and, and we'll do what we need to do in this country to keep our competitive edge, get these Army Corps Engineers projects done. And so, and we also in the order bill, we deauthorize projects that, uh, that you know, don't need to be there uh, to save some money. Uh, the thing that really gets me about on the, on the, on the Army Corps stuff, when I, it was so frustrating to me to learn that it was taking up to 15 years or even longer sometimes to get the studies done so you can start the project. And you know, that's just totally unacceptable in the private sector. I doubt there's anybody who has 15 years you know, to decide to do something or studies done. And we have this three by three by three initiative where we're going to get down to three years and we're going to get the core between the three different levels, the district, regional, and DC level working together and also working together with the other federal agencies that have to be involved from day one, not coming in afterwards and, and do all the what ifs and delays. So a lot of good things in the word of, uh, you know, with the maritime uh, transportation system, flood control, and eagle restoration. Uh, but, you know, one reason we've been competitive in this global uh, marketplace is because we've been blessed the maritime system, our inland waterway system, and all our ports to efficiently move commerce. And uh, I like to say Florida's a dock, you know, when you think about it. But uh, so the word of bells, it, it, it's moving on, we got it done, and we get it implemented. And now, also on my subcommittee, we have jurisdiction on the Clean Water Act, you know, US EPA, and I'm focusing on that. And yesterday was a, a real good day. I felt good yesterday. We passed uh, several bills out. Uh, but one was uh, what we call WOTUS, Waters of the United States. Here back in April, the uh, Army Corps Engineers and the US EPA did a joint proposed uh, rule on really their massive expansion of their jurisdiction I call Mission Creek. Uh, and as far as we know, no state EPA supports this proposed rule. Right there, I'll tell you something. It's, it's, a, it's a massive land grab, property rights grab. And, and uh, when you start talking about uh, implementing the Clean Water Act and all waters of the United States, ditch, road ditches, streams, literally puddles, grass waterways on my farm, you know, that opens up to a whole new level of permitting that's not there before. And the, and the other side of the aisle tries to imply that, you know, if we don't do this, the waters that most people know that aren't navigable aren't being regulated. Well, that's not true. The states are doing them. I said yesterday, this isn't the 1960s. You know, since the Clean Water Act was passed in 72, states have ramped up and we're doing a pretty good job cleaning up point source pollution, non-point, and you know, we've got more challenges obviously, but the, uh, the other, one other bill was federal cooperatism, uh, cooperators, I can't say today, but working together, and the Clean Water Act was set up to be a partnership between the federal government and the states. The states submit plans, they're up for review every three years, approved by the federal EPA, let the states go do their job, and, and this administration's moved away from that, and that's what I'm trying to roll back. The other bill was uh, permitting, we've seen the EPA come in, and uh, revoke permits, and in one case, three years after the permit was issued for not being in violation of the permit. It's really a political agenda. And now we see instances where they're coming in and trying to preempt permits, not even give the private entities an ability or a chance to go through the process. And I said yesterday, we need to let the permit process work and let the experts, in this case the Corps engineers, make the decisions and the evaluations. They might not get their permit, but let the process work. But the other side seems to just want to shut it all down. down and, and uh, you know, that shuts down economic growth and job creation. And so we're, we're for common sense reforms of the EPA, that sometimes I call Elimination Productivity Agency. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, we need common sense reforms. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I've said this a lot, a growing, vibrant economy provides the resources to protect our environment. Economies that are struggling 
doesn't provide the resources. You look at third world countries, you look at my Omaha hog operation, years we weren't making money in the hog business, we focused on trying to stay in business. Years we were making some money, we could do things out, out in the farm that would prove to enhance the environment. And uh, so it, I think it goes hand in hand. A growing stripe, vibrant economy, it helps enhance the protection of the environment, both on the air side and the water side, because everybody wants clean air and clean water. So it's great working with Bill and the rest of the subcommittee chairman. It's a great committee. And I, I love your thing about the BS, but it's not really BS with Bill. So. <laughs> well, thank, thanks a lot, Bob. Uh, and again, uh, uh, I want to say, I think it's demonstrated here, you, for those of you who haven't met these subcommittee chairmen, it's a great honor for me to be on the team with them uh, because they all work very, very hard. Uh, I think they've demonstrated here their knowledge of their subject matter, which is extremely important and a tough job to get things done. Uh, and they've also, I think, demonstrated one reason I like them is we have fun. Uh, we, because, you know, this job is tough, and if you don't spend some time laughing a little bit, uh, it can be awfully bad. So we, we work hard, but we, we laugh a good bit, too. Right, Dan? <laughs> um, again, thanks a lot for having us here. Uh, I believe this is a committee that builds America. It's a committee that touches everybody's life. We're not always up front in the headlines, uh, but you know, bridges and roads and pipelines and, and uh, uh, public buildings, all these things that, uh, that affect our lives, uh, this committee deals with. So uh, I'm proud to be the chairman of the committee. I'm honored that my colleagues uh, selected me to do that. And we're going to continue to work hard trying to produce bipartisan bills when we can. And when we got to produce good legislation on a, on a Republican side only, we'll do that too. Uh, so again, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And Jim, I think I'm about a minute over. No, you are right on time. Thank you all very, very much. <laughs> Nick Calio, you did such a great job. You can either pay or play. <laughs> <laughs> you can pass your question. You can pass my question on to someone else. Okay, Ralph Hellman. Yeah, I want to get to the point that the, um, Chairman Petri mentioned about the highway bill and gas taxes. There's been a lot of talk about the fact that you know general treasury revenues are not going to be able to subsidize highways. And you're going to have to do a highway bill to decline in revenues because of great cars like Priuses and hybrids and all that are causing the decline in revenues. Do you think that is politically viable? Uh, and if not, a gas tax increase, and if not, what are the other potential source of income that you guys could tap to uh, do uh, you know, a highway bill? I don't, I'll, I'll take it first and Tim, you can answer. I don't think it's politically viable to do it standalone. If you have a big, broad package that includes a lot of really good stuff and some stuff that you, know, you got to eat, which of course that's the way legislation gets passed around all the time, uh, I think it's, it's possible. Uh, but uh, in long term, you know, the long term solution is you've got to do something different than the, than the current cast has. But we're not in a position right now to, I think, really do that. Uh, and then I mentioned repatriation of, of, of funds. That's something that's talked about some other people. Yeah, I think uh, we've been doing experiments uh, in Iowa and Oregon in particular to try to switch to a mileage tax off, off satellite, which is the future. And, and it's the politics of it. Uh, and, but it seems that what will happen likely is there'll be a consortium of the states that will come up with a platform. People get nervous if the federal government is doing it directly because if there's abuse, who do they run to? Uh, so they don't, it's a big brother problem. But if it's done by someone else, it can be policed by the federal government or uh, agency. So that seems to be the psychology of it. And that is moving forward, uh, uh, but it's not gonna be for this, Highway bill, maybe maybe six years years from now. 
and Canfield. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you for being here this morning. Congressman Delaney has an infrastructure bank proposal that seems to be gaining in momentum, and part of that proposal would effectively set up a new Fannie Mae for guaranteeing infrastructure bonds, uh, thereby displacing private companies that already do that. What's the prospect for that ever being? I think based on Fannie and Freddie's performance, uh, we don't want to see anything like that uh, at the federal level. Uh, state infrastructure banks are something that I, I think is a good thing. There are a number of states that have done that. Um, he's got some ideas there that I think are viable. I haven't set up a federal entity. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I guess that's not something I can support. Um, but, and he also takes the money and he diverts it into a whole other uh, different pots. Uh, for instance, he wants to build schools. Both schools are a good thing, but that's not the federal government's responsibility. That's the locals and the states, and I don't, I don't want to expand into that. But uh, he's, he's a thoughtful guy, and you know, we've talked a couple of times about his, some of his ideas. Congressman Denham, you talked about allowing animals to go on pets to go on the <laughs> <laughs> What about facilitating bicycle riders? Is that as, is that as part of any plan that you're working on in terms of the transportation, the revitalization of American uh, domestic <laughs> Can you ride a bike, Ride a bike? It hasn't really even come up. So, I mean, at least for Amtrak, for Amtrak rides. It comes up a lot on our metros, and all of our metros uh, seem to be facilitating that. I think Amtrak does it. I mean, I've seen bikes on Amtrak. They do, but I don't know if they have them on every train. I uh, just wondered how you see the FAA process moving forward. Um, obviously, the expiration is at the end of the fiscal year. What, are sort of, what sort of the timeline you see for next year and how it's going to play out? Well, September is when it expires, so of course that's the, that's the target. Um, uh, we've got a little thing that's cropped up right now. It looks like the transportation bill is going to be first on the agenda. That's move the timeline around a little bit. Uh, but I, we're, we've been working hard on it since I made a speech in December uh, and started this process of talking to the stakeholders. I don't believe we've had every single group. We just brought in Tarkio, Missouri, the, the, uh, the center of the universe for general aviation, because that's where Sam Gray's lives. Uh, and uh, we had a round table with the GA community. Uh, it was very productive, and we still have to go through the process again, as, uh, as uh, Frank said. Trying to bring the stakeholders together, as we did on Myrtle, we're using that same same model to try to figure out what we can all come together on. Because uh, as my good friend Nick Kelly says, you can't always get what you want. So if you try real hard, you get what you need. But it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult process. And, just to do a straight up uh, reauthorization, you know, we can muddle through and do that. But I, I really believe if we want aviation not to turn out like shipbuilding is in this country, or textiles, or electronics, or autos, or steel, we need to do something proactively now to, ch to change the playing field so that we can keep a, a viable airline industry, a viable manufacturing industry uh, for aviation in, in this country. And I, I really believe we want to do something now. That's what's going to happen. It already has started to happen. What's, Used to the airlines, for instance, used to control 60% of the world as market. It's now 27, 28%. I mean, the decline is there, and, and we keep piling on taxes, and we keep piling on regulations on all these industries, and it's going going the way everything else is going because it's foreign shores. 
One last question, anyone? Your schedulers are going to love me because we're right on time. <laughs> but you all know that uh, at the end of this year, 36 years, Tom Petrie is going to be leaving this great group. And so on behalf of the Ripon Society, as you know, in 1962, December of 62, you started this great organization. So we have the bust of Teddy Roosevelt. And the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. So presented to Congressman Tom Petrie for his service to the United States Congress. With our thanks.